Welcome to the Cause I Love You podcast, a series of conversations designed to convene faith, civic, and nonprofit leaders in and around Colorado Springs. We want to foster greater collaboration between faith and civic partners so the church can be our city's greatest contributor towards human flourishing. Each month, we explore topics and struggles impacting people in the Pikes Peak region and connect you to the leaders that are working to end suffering and increase flourishing. Well, hello, Cause I Love You friends, fans, and followers. Happy 2022. My name is Stu Davis. I'm the executive director at Cause I Love You. And I am joined in this month's episode by my great friend, colleague, always stand by here to co-host with me, Cause I Love You's project manager, Corey Smith. Corey, hello. Hello. So, Corey, are you a New Year's resolution kind of person? Do you do, you do that? I, here's the thing. After 2020 and 2021, I'm feeling a little cautious of resolutions. I'm sort of like, maybe let's just roll with the punches. Maybe that's my resolution. Roll with the punches and drink coffee. Does that mean like go in with low expectations right. and just be pleasantly surprised? Yep. And okay. just enjoy the ride. Just enjoy the ride. Okay. Well, I'm not really much of a resolution person myself. I, I usually have kind of a single word for the year that I trust the Lord to provide for me. So, I mean, maybe you listeners, you've made a resolution for this new year to listen to more podcasts. And we hope that this is one resolution that you actually keep. I know for me, I get to be a part of these conversations, and I still love going back and listening to them again just as a listener. So hopefully we can just continue to get the word out on these episodes. Yeah, Stu, traditionally on this podcast, we explore areas of need and challenges throughout the Pikes Peak region. Um, Our goal is to connect leaders to these conversations and hopefully create a difference in some of these issues. Um, We specifically cater these conversations to church and faith leaders around and in Colorado Springs, but it's certainly not limited to that. Anybody's welcome. Today, however, we have something a bit different. Um, We start off the new year with a new guest and we're so excited about it. Um, I think we're both excited for this conversation. Why are you excited for this conversation, Stu? I I am so excited to introduce our listeners to a man who's become a good friend and a mentor to me and I know to us as an organization. He actually was one of those early voices that helped us gain momentum before we were an official organization way back in 2015. So my friend Dave Runyon from City Unite up in Denver decided to come down on a whim in December of 2021, and we took the chance to just record a conversation where we reminisce about our beginnings as an organization and also talk about what could be if all three sectors in our city were able to work together. So it seems like you'll probably get into this in the conversation with Dave, but for those who don't know him, why Dave? Well, for one, he's just a good dude. I mean, great leader, very practical thinker, a guy who gets stuff done. But for us, for me, Dave's a former pastor who now works with church and business leaders throughout the Denver area. He is the co-chair of Governor Jared Polis's Faith Council, which we'll get a chance to talk about in the interview And he's passionate about pursuing something that he calls the common good, which, when we get a chance to explain it, has a lot of overlaps with what Cuz I Love You is pursuing in our city. Awesome. That's so good. Well, it sounds like we have a lot to talk about. Friends, we hope you enjoy this interview with our good friend, Dave Runyon from City Unite.
Well, friends, it is so fun to welcome you back to the Cause I Love You podcast. Typically, I get the chance to interview a local leader right here in Colorado Springs who is engaged in challenging work here in our own community. But today, my guest is almost local uh, and just from up the road in Denver. And we're going to spend some time talking about where we've come from, perhaps as a movement, because I love you as a city, where we're going, and I think maybe what could be. So Dave Runyon is my guest. He's the executive director of City Unite up in the Denver area, which works to build collaborative opportunities between the faith, business, and civic civic sectors. He is also the co-author of a book that came out in 2012 called The Art of Neighboring, and has most recently functioned as the co-chair of the Faith Council for Colorado's governor, Governor Jared Polis. David, it's so good to have you here, my friend. It is good to be here, my friend. Thanks for making the drive. It was really fun for you to come down to our neck of the woods. That's right. So um, not an easy drive down I-25 these days, but it is getting easier. It is. It is. Um, so Dave, we're going to start simple here because when I'm sure when you write a book, especially when it becomes well-known, it tends to kind of follow you around. <laughs> and I'm sure that maybe you perhaps get a little tired of talking about a book that you published tw- 10 years ago um, called The Art of Neighboring, but it's a good place to begin. You were a pastor in a local church, and then you started this neighboring movement. Yeah. Um, can you just talk more about that and what kind of led to the book? Yeah, you bet. So first of all, we wrote the book, my buddy Jay Pathak and I, uh, when we wrote it, we thought this will be cool. Our moms will have like a little thing to put on their bookshelves and they'll tell their friends that their son wrote a book. And so um, I don't get tired of talking about it because it's been a pleasant surprise to see the message stick with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it started and the origin story is really similar to a lot of your work and a lot of what you do here in the city. And um, we were gathering pastors together thinking about um, how could we serve in our community. And so back in 2006, I think it was the first time we had a little group of faith leaders in Arvada come together and started just thinking and praying uh, through the John 17, the, the prayer for unity. Mm-hmm. And we realized this is a bad moment. You probably had a moment like this too, Stu, that you realize, wait a minute, this idea of working together sounds good, but we actually didn't know our city well enough to, to be able to figure out like, what's the smartest thing that we could do in our community yeah. to make a yeah. difference? And, and so in response to that, we started to bring in local government leaders. And so we'd have these little community conversations. We'd bring in the police chief or the city manager, And back in about 2010, we brought in our mayor and we would always just kind of learn their story. How did they end up here? The cool commonality between government leaders and faith leaders is that there's usually some sense of calling. Um, Very rarely are faith leaders or government leaders doing what they do just for a paycheck. And so uh, there's some sense of civic duty of a a calling. And so we would always tap that into that with uh, the different civic leaders. And then we'd always ask them this question, like, hey, if you could get all of the churches to do one thing in our city, like if you could mobilize us around one thing, what's the smartest thing that we should do? And so our mayor at that time uh, said, you know, I want to live in a city where there's no elderly shut-ins or there's no single moms below the poverty line. Uh, And he had this long list of things, you know, there's no financial debt. At the very end, he just said in passing, he said, you know, if you want to do the biggest impact in our community, you should start a neighboring movement. And when he said it, he did not connect the dots of the fact that like the most basic thing that Jesus tells us to do is love God with everything you have, heart, mind, soul, strength, love your neighbor. And so he, we were like, hey, go back, unpack that a little bit more. And he shared with us, he said, you know, what we're learning at the city level is that relationships trump programs and that when people know each other based on where they live, they often get their needs cared for out of relationships instead of 
them having to go and to build one more program. Mm -hmm. And that that simple thought, and just hearing, by the way, hearing, it's pretty awful when you're hearing hear a your... non-church person say <laughs> exactly. to what all their pastors would want to, well, already, they already know. Yeah, right? Relationships it's, it's kind of rough when God uses your mayor to tell a bunch of pastors, like, the smartest thing you can do in our city is like the most basic thing the Bible says. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that just sent my friends and I on a, on a journey. Uh, and for me personally, I wasn't very engaged in my neighborhood at that time. I was uh, doing a lot of stuff with families at the church I was working at. I was serving on three different nonprofit boards, and I'd filled my life up with so much stuff that I didn't. I didn't have a lot to. I didn't have a lot of margin in my life to be available and to be intentional about what's going on with my neighbors. And God just used that moment with the mayor to uh, reorient me. I, I changed some things in my world. I got off some nonprofit boards. They they all did fine without me, and then I was able to spend more time in my neighborhood. And it's just been. It's it's turned my world upside down. It's refreshed my heart for ministry. When you hang out with people who live around you, you're guaranteeing that you're going to hang out with people who don't think about the world the exact same way you do. Yeah. And and that's why I got into ministry in the first place. That was kind of like why I, I a vocational ministry. And so God's just used this simple little act of spending more time in my front yard, uh, making it a point to learn all my neighbors' names and to use their names when I see them. And then just to follow the breadcrumbs, he's used this simple practice to just um, to change me and my kids and my wife and to change our neighborhood. It's been yeah. it's been incredible. You know, I've, I've heard you tell stories and for listeners, that those of you who may not be aware of, of the book or even like this very simple tool that's connected to the book. It's this nine grid little box yeah. that's a. Yeah, it looks like a tic-tac. Yeah, it's a yeah. tic-tac-toe board. It's like a tic-tac-toe box, and it's designed with your home at the center. Who are the nine neighbor or eight neighbors that live right around you? And that's right. I've heard you tell those the stories about how that's impacted you. Uh, you should know. I was at a breakfast meeting this morning, actually, early this morning, with a friend who I've known for fifteen years. And when I told him that you and I were going to be doing this podcast, he actually mentioned that he and his wife have been using that magnet wow. for the last ten years in two different neighborhoods that they've lived in, and it's been the most helpful thing for them to just day-to-day relationally minister to the people that are right around them. So, Well, that's encouraging. And I'll just tell this to the listeners. I can save you the time of going and buying and reading a book. Um, (laughs) And I I still laugh at this. Like the entire book basically just says, like, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it'd be a good idea if you at least knew your neighbor's first names. (laughs) And and then there's a little tic-tac-toe board that helps you do that. And so there's some other great stuff in the book too, that, uh, that we borrowed from a lot of our friends that do good work. But, (laughs) but yeah, I still am amazed that just this simple message Mm -hmm. and the question that caught my heart and the question that I continue uh, to put in front of others is what if when Jesus said, uh, to love your neighbor, what if he meant your actual neighbors too? Yeah. And it's so easy for a lot of my life, even as a pastor, I had turned the idea of loving my neighbors into a metaphor and I'd kind of found some little loopholes into, (laughs) to thinking that, well, he didn't mean my actual neighbors. He meant, you know, these other people. And so that just asking that question, honestly, and and sitting before God with it has been really powerful for me and for a lot of, a lot of my buddies. So, okay. So you did the author thing, you traveled the country, did the book tour thing. You got all like Christian famous. (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, and you, you didn't let that distract you. It's like a, you were it's doing. like a C minus level. <laughs> yeah, famous. Right, famous. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about city unite about what mm-hmm. you guys are up to in Denver. Yeah. Well, and this is where I feel such a, a common affinity for, cause I love you. And, and for, this is why I really valued our friendship mm-hmm. is because it's very similar work. Mm-hmm. Um, both of us have a heart to bring faith and government and business leaders together 
and then to mobilize them on behalf of our communities. Yeah. And especially for me, my heart and, and just like yours is to, to really mobilize believers to serve people in need mm-hmm. and to address some of the broken parts of our cities. Yeah. And so that's what we do. Um, Denver's a little bit bigger, and so we get a little bit. So we um, we kind of break up the city into smaller chunks. And so I spend a lot of my time in Arvada and focused on that community with faith and government and business leaders there. And that's been a joy. It's a it's a size. It's the right size for me to be able to. Uh, kind of move the needle in some of the stuff we do. We do a lot of the church school partnerships, yeah. um, a lot of work with the chamber. Uh, and so, uh, and then we have other networks around the city. And so we just have a group of friends that are doing this work together. So, uh, you know, if somebody were to go to the, I know the city unite website, they would see this idea of the common good mm-hmm. being pretty prominent. It's kind of this space where the various sectors of the city come together to address areas that they each care about, right? I mean, business for different reasons, perhaps, they each care about that. So, um, I mean, you're not the only person who's influenced me to think this way. Certainly others have, but you were one of the first maybe for me. What is the common good hmm. and how are you guys pursuing that in, in the Denver area? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the shalom of the city. Hmm. Um, it's, it's when the gospel hits the surface and breaks out. It's when uh, there's human flourishing that goes on. And so that, you know, connecting the dots with other believers and leaders in our city of that, uh, that God has called us to partner with him for the rest of the time. Once we jump in with Jesus for the, for the rest of the time uh, here on earth, we're invited to partner with him and to give other people glimpses of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that, that thought changed my life. I and mean, I grew up and it was kind of like, hey, become a believer, raise your hand during a prayer, and then you're saved. And then you can just kind of grind out the rest of your life here on earth and try not to sin. Yeah. <laughs> that, that wasn't a very compelling gospel for me. <laughs> and I remember just having some mentors that started to just introduce me into this kingdom theology, mm-hmm. into this idea that we were we have the invitation to partner with God and to do great work. And so for me, that's a, a really vague way of defining what the common good is. Uh, but for me, that's that's how I express it in my own life. Well, and we'll talk about this more in a minute. But it, it you guys have been talking about it, it's okay for the church sector in our in our economy uh, to partner with the non-faith-based sector, yeah. be it public or private, the business or the government, yes. to pursue common goals, right? Even yeah. though our motivations might be different or perhaps our end goal for believers, we want to see the kingdom come in our city. That might not be the motivation for the business sector or the government sector, but that doesn't preclude us from working together. That's right. And I think the the Bible is really clear. Like God puts people in positions of authority. And as believers, we're instructed to go and to pray for those people and and depart. And we see this all throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. There's all these different examples. And it's Nehemiah and Joseph. Yep. And God's using these people and he's using relationships that they have with government leaders, with people in positions of authority um, to do his work. And so there's lots of times where I don't necessarily agree with the policies of a local government leader, but I I think that they're placed there. And I think that God's called me and others to go and to pray for them, to get to know them. Mm-hmm. And then when we have common, you know, when, when we have common things that are on our heart, especially when it comes to the poor and the people in need, uh, I think... I think there's all kinds of great precedent, um, and I think we can see it all throughout the, the Bible of God using those types of relationships um, for good. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up, that we don't always necessarily agree, 
that doesn't mean we can't work together. Because I want to talk a bit about your work with Governor Polis's sure. uh, Faith Council. You you invited me back, I think it was in 2019, to to join one of the meetings up in Denver. It was my first time being in an inside room of our state yeah. capitol. Um, I was one of the few people in the room that was not from the Denver area. Then we were talking about prison reform and what kind of difference churches could help in in, in helping prisoners transition after their yeah. release. It was a different world for me, especially being in a room with 20 or so people from other faiths, not just various Christian traditions. And I would say maybe about 40 minutes into our hour-long meeting, the governor walks into the room, the room kind of shifts, the conversation changed a little bit. But it was a unique experience for me. How did you get involved in that, and what role do you play in that committee? Yeah. Well... I knew Governor Mayor Hickenlooper actually is is where a lot of this started for me personally. There's always been uh, some kind of a clergy council around the governor or the mayor, and a lot of times those are just kind of like weird photo ops that you like show up and go, <laughs> go to these like bad. We've all probably been to like some very average meetings, take a take a few pictures, and go yeah, I got a clergy council, um, and so. I didn't want to be a part of something like that. And what I've learned from our mutual friend, Eric Swanson, is that when people are on cause together, Mm -hmm. it it helps move the conversation and give meaning and vision and purpose to to those clergy council type type Mm -hmm. things. And so when uh, Mayor Hickenlooper was in, we started to think and to dream about homeless families. And it dawned on him that there were about a a thousand homeless families and in the metro area at that time, there was a thousand faith communities, and mm-hmm. so we just kind of came up with this idea of what if what if we'd match up uh, over time? And what happened is some of the churches ended up taking a lot, but we yeah. we had an amazing partnership with the Denver Rescue Mission, with the city, um, and with the clergy council and the faith community of just going out and building small groups to adopt homeless families and to pay for first and last month's rent and to walk with them. And so yeah, that, that was, initiative was called One Congregation, One Family, right. yeah. which actually translated. I was on staff at Springs Rescue Mission down here uh, several right. years ago, and we basically adopted a local version of that that we called the Family Mentor Alliance. Oh, cool. Which really became a standard for our local community working with churches in addressing family homelessness here in our community. So, Amazing. I mean, you guys are a part of work that extended beyond your own community. Yeah, that's encouraging. Well, so... With Mayor Hickenlooper, we started that one congregation, one family, and it, we ran that through his clergy council. And then when he became the governor, uh, he asked me to continue to lead a clergy council for around the state. Uh, we tried to expand one congregation, one family statewide. Mm-hmm. It didn't go great. There's still some remnants of that that are going on that are really good. Uh, but taking something from the Denver metro area to the state was a really big challenge. And it was a great learning experience. And so uh, throughout that time, we also did some things with refugees and with the hiring. We, uh, under Governor Hickenlooper, he really was passionate about, could we get business owners to evaluate refugees coming into our state based on not just what their resume and what credentials they had, but based on competency? Mm -hmm. And could we tap into faith-based business owners? to go and do intentional hiring of refugees. So that was a really cool um, initiative that we were able to do there too. Uh, and then obviously uh, the transition from Governor Hickenlooper to Governor Polis, I had no idea what to expect. And uh, and I didn't even know if they wanted to have a clergy council or anything like that, but um, got an introduction to Governor Polis and he was really honest and just said, you know, I don't, I don't know much about the faith community, but I'd like to. Hmm. And which was really refreshing yeah. to me. And, you know, he he and I kind of talked about in that first time that we spoke about some of our 
differences and just kind of acknowledge those, but then said, but you know what? We both have a heart to help people that are struggling and help people that are on that cusp of self-sustainability. And so what would it look like for us to continue on with this clergy council and to be able to do that together? That's good. And of course, you know, Stu, during COVID, it's been challenging for government. It's been challenging for everybody. but that was, that was one of the silver linings of COVID is that during that time, Governor Polis really had a desire and wanted to prioritize the faith community. And so he started to host phone calls with mm-hmm. faith leaders from all around the state mm-hmm. um, with, with the uh, intent of just being able to figure out how do we do this? How do we get through this time yeah. together? Yeah. And that was neat. He connected a lot of the health department and these pastors. And I know there's a lot of opinions on, on yeah. that that are out there. But uh, but it was neat. The relationship between the faith community and our governor became a lot stronger because of walking through COVID together. Yeah, that's good. So I want to piggyback on that for a second because we're, we're in a season in our culture where things have gotten so polarized. <laughs> and it's not common to see people who are, uh, you know, at some point in the past, they were willing to work with those kind of on the other side of an issue or political spectrum. And now there's they're just there's no chance we're meeting in the middle anywhere. Yeah. So I'm sure there are plenty of things that you probably disagree with our governor on, which is fine. Sure. And you acknowledge that. Um, why is it important for you to stay involved there? Oh, yeah, that's we are so we are polarized. I think it's it's one of the most toxic dynamics that exists in our culture right now. And the the antidote to that is relationships. Yeah. And it's sitting down, and this is why I believe so much in neighboring. This is why I believe so much in being able to to sit across from people you disagree with and to say, you know what, I'm not even here to try to convince you to believe just like me. And I know you're not going to try to do that to me, but there are things that we believe in together. And can can we be friends even though we disagree on sometimes major issues? Yeah. And still work together for the good of our communities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just believe that relationships... Our relationships with people on the other side, it's its the key to how we get back to a less polarized uh, culture. Yeah. And so for me, I just feel, and I feel like we as believers, we should be right in the middle of that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We should be leading the way. That's in exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Friends, we're going to pause just for a moment and talk about some upcoming opportunities to serve the city. Now in 2022, Cause I Love You is so excited to bring you more opportunities to create more events, touch points with the city where you can bring your resources, your people, your heart of service to the Pikes Peak region. We have an opportunity actually coming up on January 20th, where we are asking for leaders in our city to consider what it would look like to learn about serving local schools. If you are a marketplace leader or perhaps you know a marketplace leader that would be interested, a business owner, somebody that could bring their resources to the table around a school partnership, we invite you to visit causeiloveschools.com and learn more about what we're doing to bring resources to local schools in the area. If you know a marketplace leader, if you're interested, if you know somebody that would be interested, go to causeiloveschools.com. Okay, so I want to shift gears for a second, and I'll just tell our listeners kind of 
a little of our shared history, you and I. Yeah. So back in 2015, um, I brought a guy to Colorado Springs named Ray Bakke. Ray is mm. a legend. Yep. We both know that his work, his writing, his ministry, I think have paved the way for certainly for me, but I think for a lot of what Cause I Love You is trying yeah. to do. Um, listeners, if you've never come across a book called A Theology as Big as the City, pick it up tomorrow. Um, after you finish listening to this podcast. Um, but after Ray left town, he connected me to you. You and I got on the phone one day and I just said, okay, Dave, we had this great series of meetings with Ray. He came into town. He stirred a lot of people in our city for the church to be a powerful force for our city. But what do we do now? Where do we go? And, and part of the story that you just told, you just said, well, Stu, you said, you asked me a question. You said, who is the most trusted voice in Colorado Springs? And at the time, Mayor John Southers had just been elected. He was riding on a lot of trust. And so he naturally came to mind. And you told me to see if we could get as many pastors in the room to sit down, meet with him, yeah. coming out of your own experience, and just ask him what to talk about what he saw as critical needs in our city. So we did that. I remember that. I came down to that you meeting. You came down, right? Yeah, that was so a lot of fun. Fall of 2016, you were in there. We had 80 pastors cool. in the room. And we just gave him the microphone. And in a very, actually, like an emotional plea, he told his own story. He asked for the faith community's help, for the church's help to fund, help fund the Springs Rescue Mission's new emergency shelter. That's right. He didn't ask us to solve homelessness. He said, we can't address this growing crisis of homelessness without an adequate emergency shelter. So would you churches be willing to come around that? And right. out of that meeting, 55 of those 80 pastors walked out and said, we're willing to be a part of it. And over the next two years helped to fund, I think with almost a million dollars, uh, this now building that houses 365 nights a year, uh, over 300 wow. homeless men and women. So um, so this stuff actually works. It, it works. Yeah, right. <laughs> stuff makes a difference. And I, I mean, like you told me at that point that we were tapping into something big. Like you yeah. remembered being in that room. I remembered you being in that room. And it's only kind of grown from there. But back then we had no idea what we were doing. Um, but you knew that momentum required us listening to our city and to its leaders. Can you talk about why that's so important to just listen? First, because I think we would both say the church has oftentimes been known for showing up with the solutions already canned and ready to go. Totally. <laughs> and a lot of people talk about, I think it's a trendy thing to say, you know, we want to love our city. It's important to know your city. It's actually vital to actually know your city before you can love your city. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's been, that's, I've, that's what I admire about your work is I think you're helping this podcast right here. You're helping people get to know the city. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, I think it's a really, really big deal. And so I just, it's been so much fun to watch what's happened here in the Springs in a relatively short amount of time. I mean, that was that gathering that, that you had and, and uh, Mayor Southers being there. And I just remember seeing the number of pastors in the room, the diversity of the pastors in the room, like coming from all yeah. different streams, yeah. um, all different parts of the city, socioeconomic diversity. Like that was the most encouraging thing for me. Is like yeah. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, I think God, God's used your gifts as a connector and some of your history in the city so that you can be the guy that calls the party and create some of these environments. And I, I just see over and over again these sacred moments happen when we listen to the people that God's put in authority. And then when we say, okay, how do we, how do we live out the, the John 17 prayer for unity in our city? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love that John said, it's right before Jesus is arrested. It's the last recorded prayer of his as a free man of all the things we could pray for in all the world. He prays for unity mm-hmm. and he doesn't just pray for unity for the sake of unity. He prays for unity. He says, when there's unity, people that don't know God, will become curious and get sucked towards him. Yeah, yeah. And I 
I see that happening here. Like when, and you and I could swap stories, a yep. lot of stories yep. of just non-believers who are looking at us going like, you guys are actually working together? Yeah. Like, and I wish that wasn't an anomaly. I wish like in every city there was something like, cause I love you happening yeah. and thriving. Um, but that's not the case. And what's neat is just to see people who don't yet know God become curious by what believers are doing when they see unity. Because when they open up the phone book, they don't see unity. Um, but when they start to see, because I love you, mobilize people on behalf of kids or schools or whatever it might be, um, the kingdom's breaking out. Yeah. And, and spiritual curiosity is growing in communities. Yeah, I, I'll just say as a tag onto that and, and for our listeners' sake that I think one of the things that has been an intentional pursuit on our part, because I love you, is to really make sure that our our movement, our organization is representing kind of the, the broad church, the big C church yeah. here in our community. And that has to include um, under-resourced churches and wealthy churches, traditional churches and non-traditional churches, big and small, uh, racial backgrounds, you know, of all kinds. And I think one of the best parts of our movement has become, whether it's the pastors that serve on our board or just pastors and churches that are a part of what we do, to see them join hands and work together from different parts of our city, different backgrounds and traditions, and pastors that know and love each other and now have a friendship that never should have existed That's on right. paper. Um, it's modeling something for our community that I know is, it's it's touching something that most people, they feel that void. Yeah. I don't have that kind of depth. I don't have that kind of friendship with somebody who's not like me. And I think that that modeling of something like that is has done so much, I think, for for our movement. For sure. And then the serve days, when you get people from each kind, it's not just yeah. pastors hanging yeah. out. You start to get people realizing, oh my goodness, we're on the same team. We're actually on the same team. Yeah. I yeah. think that's when you you just hit an incredible uh, tipping point. Yeah, it's, it's so good. So, okay, Dave, I promise this next set of questions is not self-serving, but <laughs> you can you can respond in a way to this that I can't. Uh, so you get a chance to be involved with a lot of people who kind of do some version of what Cause I Love You does in yeah. different parts of the country. Um, it's really cool just to be able to realize that, I mean, just a couple of months ago, you and I were with 20 to 25 city network leaders from all over the United States. Yeah. And this movement of bringing the church into the city is growing. So a couple of questions I have for you. What do you see happening with churches in cities around the country? Where is it going? And what would you say to or about Cause I Love You and what you observe in Colorado Springs? So that's kind of three sure. questions in one. So first, like, what do you see happening in churches and cities around the country and where is it going? Yeah, well, there's a new movement that's going on. This city, I would call it city, the city transformation movement has been around in different forms, but it's really gained a lot of traction in the last 10 or 15 years. And I think uh, part of that is because culturally the church is becoming and Christians are becoming less and less of a majority. And so there's this sense, there used to be like this sense of like competition. And now there's this sense of like, Hey, we don't have time to compete. Like we, we need to actually stack hands and work together. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see in different cities around the country, this a desire for unity and for relationships mm -hmm. and for thinking about how do we show up in our city? What, what do people think of when they think of the church? And so that's exciting for me. And then watching that happen here in the Springs has been a gift. And I know I've been able to come down and share some things mm -hmm. with you guys, but like what happened in our state around addressing frontline workers and needs was birthed out of the Springs. So I was with the governor's clergy council uh, thinking and praying about how does the church show up during COVID? And I remember talking to you and you were sharing about how 
Because I Love You was organizing care, um, meals, the meals were the big thing, Mm -hmm. but was showing up down here in the Springs and saying, we are going to go and value and bless these frontline workers that are going through so much. And when you told me that, it was like the penny dropped. And I just realized that's something that we could do all across the state. And so the last count that I had, I mean, almost every hospital um, of size in the entire state had been connected to a group of churches. And the last number I saw was that it was about four hundred and ninety thousand dollars not in like goods and like 400 and actual ninety thousand dollars had been given by churches straight to frontline workers Mm -hmm. um for meals and massage chairs (laughs) and and just to think about like that and so that all started and that was all birthed from because i love you Mm -hmm. and from from our friendship and from just being able to share stories together and so I'm just grateful. I watched this happen and, and this little seed that got planted down here and some of the cool stuff that you guys are in the hospital down here. I got to watch it spread all the way across the state. And I got to hear stories of people up in Fort Collins who were just reaching out going, I, I need to know what exact church this was. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, <laughs> it's not, you know, it was a group of churches. And to be able to kind of just say it's not about giving credit just to one place, but it's about giving credit to the body as a yeah. whole. Yeah. And and it's really not even about getting credit. It's about us just leaning into what God has asked us to do. Yeah. There's a couple of ways that kind of we talk about because I love you and kind of the work that we do here in the Springs. One of them is kind of this triad of, of, of B words. One, that we're the dinner bell that we gather people, leaders, churches together to kind of do something in common. Um, Two, that we are kind of the bat signal. We kind of shine a light up in the sky around an area of need and call call the Mm. churches to to come and make an impact. Um, And three, we're also the bullhorn, that we get a chance to kind of brag on the church in a way that churches can't brag on on themselves because that always comes across weird. Yeah, or they do brag on themselves. It is. is. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. Um, And so I think for uh, for me, I feel, even though there's all kinds of kind of national narratives that would say something else, I've told people over the last two years, I've seen a very different narrative locally of the way that the church has shown up. They've shown up with people. They've shown up with dollars. They've shown up with their time. They've shown up with in-kind support, whether it's donating food or uh, clothing or whatever else it might be. I feel honored to be able to be in this place to be a bullhorn, yeah. you know, for the local church. And I think we've seen that in different parts of the country. I certainly, I spend a lot of time thinking and, and paying attention to what's going on here, but it's always encouraging to hear that from somebody well, who's a part of something. I think different. you and I both are aware, Stu, that Christianity has a PR problem. Like we, we've just had some weird people in our tribe that have done some things. And, you know, I always just talk to people and my neighbor, and I'll go, Hey, what weird experiences have you had with the church over your life? And, and nobody ever says none. Okay. There's always a story. How much time do you have? <laughs> and by the way, I think that's one of the best ways we can connect with people mm. is by just creating some space for them yeah. to flush out some of the strange things that have happened. Uh, and so unfortunately the, the small minority of Christians who maybe their posture has been a little bit off or, you know, they, they're the anti, they're like they're all about Christianity is just about being against everything. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that group gets a lot more notice um, in right. the media and in the culture and everything else. And, and so I do feel like there's times that, and we certainly have been in one uh, recently that we're, we just have a PR problem. We have a branding problem. And, but what is so encouraging is seeing a frontline hospital worker go, are there other, are there other Christians like this? Is this normal? You know, it's like we're by when you come together 
when you bring the body together and you serve a city and you address the needs of a city, you're changing the perception of what it means to be a Christian and what the church is all about. Yeah. And that's for me, that's what gets me up. That, yeah. That's what keeps me going. When I know you, for you too, we both share that. In God. When, when you talk about like, you know, kind of this idea of kingdom theology and bringing the kingdom into the city. I got a text message this morning from an administrator at one of the school districts we do a lot of work with. We've been encouraging churches over this three-week window between Thanksgiving and Christmas to um, to just do something once a week and just show up at your school. You just, yeah. if, you're connect, if you're a church and you're connected to a school, just show up and do something that might be helpful in some way to encourage teachers, to encourage families. Keep your eyes up. A break is coming. Just hang in there. We had a church that that showed up to uh, one, their partner school and just did a bunch of chidewalk, sidewalk chalk messages. Yeah. Um, you guys can do, you know, just encouraging thing for both teachers and students. The administrator texted me this morning and said, there's a family that was coming to enroll their student in the school. And so they were doing kind of a walk around around the school and they started walking past all these messages, you know, written in sidewalk chalk all over the place. And the administrator said the family knew that they were coming to the right school because yeah. of all the support and love and care that that school is experiencing. And I'm sitting there thinking the church has elevated the level of care and concern that the school community is feeling. It's bringing the community, bringing the kingdom into, into the school. So good. And I mean, like that to me is like, if the church is the catalyst yeah. for something for lift happening in our city, man, that's a good thing. You know, that's <laughs> so awesome. It. So, okay, Dave, last question here. I just want to end with some vision. So let's dream big for a moment. I, I want you to just talk for a moment about, what do you think is possible when the faith community fully joins the work in our cities to care for people, to address areas of need, to work alongside perhaps the business and the public sectors? What could happen and what haven't we tapped into yet that, that we could and what would that require of us? What we haven't tapped into is we as believers are not known as right now as the peacemakers in our culture. Mm. That's good. You know, they people don't look at us and go, you know, and I see this through the neighboring ones a lot. Uh, I, we had a civic leader that just said, this is part of what just got us going, is she just shared with us, um, her name's Vicki. She shared with a group of pastors. She goes, you know, just so you know, from the city level, we don't see a difference in the way Christians and non-Christians treat their actual neighbors. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's awful to hear yeah, it. That's tragic. But it's true. Like, I've, I've done a work in a lot of cities now, and I've never had a civic leader come up and go, hey, Dave. In our city, the Christians are the best neighbors. <laughs> and, so, um, and so we still aren't viewed as the peacemakers, the one, I'm like, let's be honest. Like we, in our culture, we're not, Christians aren't viewed as the ones who are like uh, the antidote to the polarization that exists. Mm -hmm. We're oftentimes like, mm -hmm. oh, the Christians are over on that side, you know, doing this thing. And, and so, but I, I have so much hope that, as we continue to lean into that, as we continue to kind of put down our own agendas and to think about the city and to think about what's the collective impact that could happen if we, I mean, the, the church is the sleeping giant of volunteerism so in most cities. Yep. Uh, what's happening here in the Springs though, is it's not a sleeping giant anymore. It's, it's awakening and it's actually becoming a presence. Yeah. That's what gets me, that's what gets me so fired up about like, what is it gonna look like when more and more people start experiencing, whether it's a backpack drive, whether it's a serve day, whether they're just sitting in a church and they hear a church pray for another church. Mm. Um, like all of that collectively just starts to build up the soil um, to a place where 
the culture and where people, regardless if they disagree with us or not, they view us as an asset to a city. And that's what gets me really excited. Yeah. And that, I think, what gets me excited about that isn't just that we're going to go and do a bunch of good works. I know that the church is at its best when we're proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating it. Mm-hmm. That's Historically, that's always when the church has been at the best. Yeah. And, and so I, I see the work that I'm doing and that you're doing, Stu, as this you know, as primarily a lot of it is demonstrating the gospel because that's a part that we haven't done maybe as much as we should have. Yeah. Uh, and as that continues to grow and as it's partnered in with the proclaiming of the gospel, that's when I know cities change. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's what excites me a lot. Yeah. One of the things, one of the ways that we talk about that here is that the, we would love to see the church become our city's most trusted advocate and partner in alleviating human suffering and advancing human flourishing. And if we can be tr- become mm-hmm. trusted a trusted partner that doesn't necessarily mean we have to agree all the time, but it just means when something comes up and our, our local government or or the problem solvers in our community, our public officials are thinking, who do we need to call? They think we got to call the church. Wouldn't that be? I love it. I'm stealing that. That's good. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So Dave, I cannot thank you enough, not only for this conversation, for our friendship, but for taking the time to make it a live conversation right here in the cause I love you office. Such a privilege. So for those of you, um, or I guess for, for people who may want to learn more about City Unite, about the art of neighboring, other things you're up to, how do people find you? There's some websites out there about that kind of stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, if you want to learn some of the stuff I'm really passionate about right now is helping uh, people uh, in places of work uh, live out the gospel and give people tools to do that. So you can go to the City Unite website. And there's also a link off that website. You can find a lot of the art of neighboring resources um, and then if you want to, you can go find, I gave such a glowing plug for the book. Uh, so <laughs> if, you, if you want to buy the book and go beyond learning your neighbor's names, then, uh, you can find that out there too. And it's called the art of neighboring. That's great. So we'll put some links to that in the show notes. So, all right, folks, I hope that this has been enjoy- as enjoyable for you as it has been for me. Dave is just one of many people around the country, really around the world who are doing great work in bringing the church into the city so that everyone experiences the incredible and tangible love of Jesus. That's what we're after here at Cause I Love You. So if you're in the Pikes Peak region or you're just looking for ways to bring your business resources, your church resources, or just yourself in helpful ways into our city, reach out to us at cause So until next time, Dave, thank you again. And thanks to all of our listeners. And we'll see you next time on the Cause I Love You podcast. Well, that was a powerful conversation. I think there's so many practical elements of that conversation. It also was encouraging to hear about a movement right up the road Mm -hmm. in Denver, um, something that we can look at and learn from and kind of be neighbors with ourselves and be inspired by. Um, Stu, we talked a little bit in this conversation about the idea of the common good. Mm -hmm. And I know that's really inspiring to you. Can you talk a little bit about why you love that concept? Yeah, I, I, I really resonate with this idea that regardless of from what perspectives different organizations are coming, from what sectors of our community, the public sector, uh, the, the business sector, or the faith community, regardless of where we're coming from, it's pretty easy to find areas that we commonly care about. Um, it could be social causes, adoption, families, um, hunger, education, some of those things. It could be um, specific values. Um, you know, dignity, compassion, those kinds of things. I think it's pretty easy when we're willing to 
just be at a table, we can find things that we actually agree about. Mm -hmm. And we may not always agree with what the solution is or how to arrive at, at the right destination, but it, it, it should at least start with a conversation to say, we together care about these things. Can we figure out ways that regardless of our differences, we can move towards solving some of those problems? And I think that's where real community develops. I think especially when we talk about like church and church relationships, that's where unity can develop. Mm -hmm. Because if we, you know, if we express ourselves differently on Sunday mornings, that's one thing, but it's okay for us to come together to a table and say, let's at least try to work on this thing together. So that is something that we're trying to foster at Cause I Love You is trying to bring various partners from different parts of our community together to say, regardless of the different perspectives we have, are there things that we can mutually care about mm. and chase after that yeah. make our community better? Yeah. And Dave sort of talked about that, how he utilizes this idea of sitting at the table mm-hmm. in a couple different ways in Denver. He talked about the governor's faith council, I yeah. think it was called. Yeah, I, I so appreciate his ability to sit at that table. I mentioned it in our interview that I've been to one of those meetings. He's invited me to a few others. It's just not always easy to get up to Denver and back. Um, but the times that I've I've interacted with Dave before after some of those meetings, I understand that he certainly doesn't always agree with the things that are set around that table. He doesn't necessarily agree with the policies that the governor is crafting, but he does feel like it's important to sit at a table where there is disagreement, Mm -hmm. but also a common commitment to making sure that we're, uh, you know, again, making each other stronger and working towards the good at his level of people across the state. Yeah, that's really good. So I think especially over these last couple of years, as things have just become more polarized, both in our communities and in our churches, Dave's modeling something that I really admire, which is that ability to sit around the table with people you disagree with and still working towards a common goal. Hmm. I love that. And I also loved, I mean, the art of neighboring peace, Mm -hmm. that sort of grassroots, who are the people right around you that you can find ways to extend care and love and unity to um, right there immediately with your neighbors. My husband and I most recently took around Christmas cookies to our neighbors. And I thought of Dave, I was thinking like, man, this is this is walking out that art of neighboring, just a quick hit. It didn't cost us much. It caused, you know, we went out on a Saturday morning and a couple Christmas cookies and met some people and shook some hands and learned some names. Mm -hmm. And that I think will change the trajectory of our ability to invest in our own neighborhood. Um, and I think that matters. And I love that Dave just said, start where you are, Mm -hmm. start with that organic, you know, group right around you, certainly your family, but then consider the people on your block. I love that. Yeah. The other thing that for me, is, you know, Dave's always been so very encouraging. I think of our movement, you know, Corey, you and I've been doing this now for just a couple of years. And I think in many ways we feel like we're just trying to figure this thing out. Mm -hmm. hoping we're doing our best job. There's a handful of people who, who offer us some guidance, but Dave's always been so quick to say like, you guys are right there. There's something Mm -hmm. happening in Colorado Springs, tap on it, lean, lean into it. And I've always just really benefited from from his encouragement. So yeah. hopefully you listeners have as well. Hopefully this was a great conversation for you to just kind of peek beyond perhaps what's happening just here in Colorado Springs and look around, look up the road at Denver and some great partners up there who are doing some great works. Um, so we're really looking forward to bringing you some great content here in 2022, continuing to connect you to the points of pain in our city and giving you ways to make a difference. As always, if this podcast is helpful to you, please take a moment moment to rate it wherever you get this podcast. And by all means, pass it along to someone that you think would enjoy it. 
I also want to take a moment to thank our producer, Carson Smith. Every month, he takes Woo-hoo. time out of his schedule to help us record and produce a high-quality interview. The man in front of the microphone isn't much if the mic isn't on, so Carson, thanks for being a pro podcast producer. I'm Stu Davis, and on behalf of Corey Smith and the rest of our team, we will see you next time on the Cuz I Love You podcast. Podcast.